I was beauty and health director of Glamour and right before launch they shelved it and it, we all got made redundant and it was really unexpected because they'd put so much money into it and we were all heartbroken. Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island or beauty island that I'm sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that reminds them of their mum, the one that defined their teens, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is Sigourney Cantello, editor and founder of beauty website Beautycate. As well as her chosen products, we talk about the most difficult celebrity she's interviewed, how being made unexpectedly redundant led her to becoming health and beauty director at Vogue, what it's like to leave the dream job to launch your own, and why lash extensions are a beauty shortcut you won't regret plus so much more. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe if you haven't already, rate five stars, and if you have a spare 30 seconds and are listening on Apple Podcasts, write a review. It means the world when I read your lovely comments about why you love listening to the podcast and also helps other people find Beauty Island too. Now over to Sigourney. Enjoy. Sigourney, welcome to Beauty Island. What was your morning routine like today? Well, as as usual, Lulu joined me in my morning routine and I tend to put it on Instagram because I think she's so hilarious and, and I like to kind of share little makeup tips and tricks that I've gleaned over the years, particularly for busy women trying to race out the door, whether or not they have children pulling on them or whether or not they're just you know trying to get out the door fast I think there's a lot of stuff on YouTube about these very complicated contouring and baking and you know strobing routines but I think real women often like to know about those little time-saving tricks and those shortcuts that um, get us out the door so yes to answer your question it was hurried as usual um, and I was getting ready for my girlfriend Georgie Abbey's uh, book launch so I was uh, you know trying to make myself look <laughs> presentable uh, my son is throwing up in the corner because he's got some stomach bug from school and had to get Lulu out to daycare so yeah as usual it's always chaotic and not terribly glamorous but that's the wonderful thing about beauty products is that they make us feel glamorous or you know help us put our face forward to the world even when everything else might be falling apart as things were this morning. I was going to say, if ever, anyone ever thought your job was 100% glamorous, here's <laughs> a reality here's check. reality check, that's right. <laughs> you were born in Singapore. Yes. What was your How and what was yeah. your childhood like? How did all that happen? My parents were both journalists and my dad became foreign correspondent for the Herald in Melbourne and he got posted to Singapore and my mum was pregnant with me so she was sort of on leave and doing a bit of freelance at that stage so we moved over there for only three years I was only two when we moved back so I unfortunately I didn't get to know the culture all that much but (laughs) I do have a thing for noodles I love spicy food so maybe that has something to do with it but um, we moved back to Melbourne and my parents resumed their work in journalism dad went on to later become he became publicity manager for the tourism commission and then mum went into tv 
So they kind of ended up doing similar things to, to me or I ended up doing similar things to them, but um, quite different content. <laughs> and if your mum was working in TV, I imagine that she spent a lot of time in kind of the makeup chair. Is that yes. something you watched or you, yes. you, you heard about from her? Yes, and I think that had a lot to do with my early interest in beauty. She was always beautifully put together and very savvy with skincare and and makeup and she'd always come home with the latest you know information because you know if if you ever do have your makeup done you know at a tv station as I've occasionally done like if I've done an appearance on a morning show or something it's quite amazing they're just the women the makeup artists in there are it's just like a hotbed of beauty information you go in there and they're using you know some skincare and they're all talking about the, the latest mascara that's changed their life and and these women are so the makeup artists I mean are so cluey with what's you know what the latest ingredients are and they and they share it all with tv women and that's kind of the birth of some of the best products and the best cult products is where they kind of get that cult status from those makeup rooms and also on fashion shoots it's the same you know the models all talk to the makeup artists the makeup artists are kind of yeah they're sort of like the fortune tellers of beauty trends in some ways I think because they they get access to things in a, in the same way that beauty journalists are but often you know they use it on real life on set you know so they really get to try things out and and they they share share their findings with with the celebrities and the models and then it kind of all filters down through the through the media so it's interesting watching where those trends begin the first product on your list is an interesting one madame corner k lotion yeah tell me the story behind so my mum used to take me to facials at madame corner in the hilton and Madame Corner was a Hungarian, is, she's, I think she's um, still around, but she's not doing facials anymore. A Hungarian facialist, and she had the most glamorous, fabulous beauty room that all the ladies used to go to. And mum took me there, and she, I think she used to get her lashes and her brows done there as well. Or not lashes, no, they didn't have lash extensions back then. What would have been brows shaped and, and dyed? And Madame Corner had this really great line of skincare and when I became a teenager and my skin inevitably broke out, mum got me this K lotion. It was K for camphor. It was camphor lotion and it smelled exactly like camphor, like really strong and pungent. So I just have this memory of the boarding school years when when I was uh, like 11 or 12, mum got a job as the newsreader for the ABC in Tasmania. So we just packed up and we moved down to Hobart and we lived there for a year and, and then she moved back to Sydney and I stayed on at boarding school. So she kind of packed me up my kit of beauty stuff and in it, you know, there was the Clinique and three step and a few other bits but I remember just that potent smell that camphor lotion of having to use it on my pimples and it's just kind of the smell of teen anguish to me (laughs) and missing my mum at boarding school did you enjoy boarding school um yeah look it was good for me (laughs) because I needed to be pushed out of the nest a bit I think because I was very attached to you know mum it was mum and I my parents separated when I was eight and I lived with my dad for a little while and then I lived with my mum and, you know, I needed to just, you know, get some independence. So it was probably good for me, but I did really miss her. And But yeah, it was great. I got to kind of hang out with the boarders and go to their farms and, and yeah, experience country life on the weekends, which is great. How you got your start in the industry is really interesting because you kind of did it the opposite way to a lot of people in that you were already working in the industry or working a bit with magazines before you studied I think you went to UTS. Yes, that's right. How did that all come about? When I finished school, I I worked really hard at the HSE and I I got into my my degree at, at UTS, which was a communications degree, but I wasn't sure 
where I wanted to go with that or what I wanted to do. I just knew that I loved words and pictures and putting them together and just hadn't really worked out what. And then my boyfriend at the time was working at a publishing company called Goran Osman and his boss was married to Pat Ingram, who was media doyen. She's, she's still, you know, incredibly wonderful. And she, at the time she was at ACP Publishing, which is former, um, now Bauer. And I, I think I said to Sam, you know, I'd really love to work in magazines. At that stage, I was doing a little bit of writing for his, his title. He had this, uh, this magazine called Your Destiny <laughs> that he was editing um, at Goran Osman. And he would get me to write little beauty pages and right back then it was like oh my god this is amazing i love love magazines and he mentioned to to craig who mentioned to pat that you know that there was this girl looking for a job and and she had an interview with me and it was just really lucky that there was a job going at our house magazine which was affiliated with the show there was a tv sort of renovation type show this is like i'm not kidding i was 18 like I was literally out of school maybe 19 and yeah I was just so lucky to land my first job in magazines as editorial coordinator of Our House magazine which is the you know just the the entry-level position answering phones you know helping around the office in any way shape or form and this was sort of before internships there weren't really many interns back there I mean the, the concept of the intern there were sort of newspaper, uh, what did they call them? Cadets. Cadetships, thank you. But there was nothing like, like it is now. So if I had to do it all again now, I definitely would say you probably need to start with an internship because it's just those, those positions aren't just hanging out empty anymore. But I was very lucky. And yeah, so I, I did that and I just took leave of my, my degree. So I, you could do like put your degree on hold. So I took two years to kind of think about sort of what I wanted to do with that degree. And it was there that while I was at, at ACP, I was lucky enough to to sort of move into a few different jobs in different magazines and try a bit here, here and there. And I realised I really wanted to get my writing degree and and have that kind of backup. So I started working. By that stage, I think I'd moved to Qantas magazine or, yeah, I think it was Qantas. And then I started my degree, so a couple of years later. Before Beauty Kate, you were beauty editor at Vogue, which mm. is, I think, in a traditional sense, is kind of like, the pinnacle, the job that everybody aspires to. How did that happen? Oh, look, it was it's actually a really interesting story. I, I'd been working at Glamour magazine and Glamour was due to launch in Australia and we got halfway through the first issue, like we were kind of going around to advertisers and I was beauty and health director of Glamour and right before launch they shelved it and it, we all got made redundant and it was really unexpected because they'd put so much money into it and we were all heartbroken. I was particularly heartbroken because I just, I thought that was, I mean, Vogue was my dream job and, you know, Vogue beauty editor of, well, at the time I thought that's never going to come up. That job is never going to become available. And I was so, you know, Glamour was just, I was so thrilled to be in that role and I just loved the magazine and I loved the people and we were so excited to be working on this project. So when that happened, I was just heartbroken and I remember I went to dinner. It was actually our one year wedding anniversary I think and we went to dinner and I and I was literally crying <laughs> into my chef glass of champagne going oh it's my dream job and yeah and the next morning I just woke up with this weird feeling and because they'd said to us just go home everyone when everyone gets made redundant everyone goes to the pub like that's just what you do so 
we'd all been at the pub having a few drinks and the word was on the street that we didn't have to really go back to the office the next day they were like just come in later and pack up your stuff and you know you'll have meetings with HR and they'll try and place you but don't get your hopes up kind of thing (laughs) not in so many words but that was the vibe I just woke up and I, I just couldn't sleep I was like I have to get up I have to get organized and I pulled my CV together and I got I dressed in my best outfit I can't remember what it was now and just went into the office and I was the first person there it was only eight o'clock in the morning or something and cleaning out the beauty cupboard because of course there was so much stuff I was like oh what do we do with all this stuff and I got a call from HR or maybe I called them and just sort of said oh just wondering about my meeting you know what time and they said oh it's funny you called you know Kirsty Clements has just has been in touch with us there's a job going on Vogue <laughs> I was like what what um and they were like yeah the beauty the beauty editor position she'd like to have a chat to you and they said do you um are you available today I was like yes (laughs) yep I'm totally available and do you have your CV and things I'm like yes (laughs) weird so yeah I had my first interview that day and had a nail-biting week of you know did I get the job and and then yeah some somehow by some miracle I did and yeah, I was um, there for nearly six years and it was it was great. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's one of those stories where you hear people say, you know, one door closes, another yes, one opens. Exactly. But that really is everything just falling into place yes. at the exact right time. It was time. weird because Alex Spring, who was um, the beauty editor before me there, I just I didn't ever foresee I mean she was so she was great at her job and you know I thought she'll never move on from this but as it happened she'd been made features editor so it just yeah she moved around and you just never know what's around the corner and if things look bad sometimes they're just not so bad. (laughs) The second product on your list is a MAC lipstick which I think is kind of has a few memories attached Mm. to it related to Vogue and Mm. your mum can you tell me about that? Yes so I was thinking about products that were meaningful growing up and you know it was always mum's lipstick collection that I would get into and play with and smell for some reason I remember the smell of all of them and you know in the 80s it was like Revlon and she always had these power reds and power pinks because she was on tv so she she also had it like power suits as well and the shoulder pads and she had a perm and it was like you know fabulous and then in the 90s she kind of got really into mac and you know spice lip pencil and and then you know the more nude and the brown shades and things and and then when I when I went to Vogue, one of my first trips that I did was with Mac and they took me to New York to go and do a behind the scenes sort of story on the Mac Viva Glam campaign. And Lady Gaga and Cindy Lauper were the faces of Viva Glam that year. And every year they have a different diva or fabulous celebrity who's really outspoken and it was just such a, I mean, it was quite a baptism of fire. Like that was one of my first tra- gigs, you know, writing, you know, on assignment for Vogue. And it was, you know, at Milk Studios in New York, which is just so hip. And like walking in there, <laughs> it was, there were tables set up because it, it's kind of this naughty kind of boudoir sort of styling. And they had, they had these tables set up with just layers and layers of different kind of suspender sets and like really naughty kind of lingerie and like leather sort of leather whips and like it was just like the mind boggles and then this guy walks past this nude male model and one of the publicists looked at me and she goes oh that's the ass model and I was like of course it's the ass model and he had a really good he did have a good ass (laughs) 
And yeah, just just looking around and there was, you know, just Ellen Don Unworth was the photographer and James Caliados was doing makeup and I was just like, my mind was blown in that moment. And then I had to go and interview Cindy Lauper and I mean, she was incredible. She was very focused on her, like she knew exactly how she wanted to be portrayed. She'd done all the research. She had tears, like magazine tear sheets that she'd pulled out of different makeup looks that she wanted them to create for her like she knew exactly what she was doing and she you know directing the makeup artist on how far the winged eyeliner should go and telling him to do it again and like she was a pro like not mucking around and then yeah and she told us some really sad stories about you know losing people like different makeup artists to AIDS in the in the 80s and and you know and how deeply she felt about Viva Glam because if, I don't know if you know, but I think it's a full 100% of the, of the cost of the sale of the lipstick they put towards the Mac AIDS Fund. And they've raised so much money over the years. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head exactly, but, I mean, it was a whopping number back then and it's even more now. So it was, it was such a, it is such a great, it's such a great cause. And so then I had to go over and talk to um, Lady Gaga and she was just at the height of her fame, like right early. Well, no, she's at the height of her fame now, but... <laughs> I mean, it was that early sort of Lady Gaga where she never wore pants and everything was very, you know, very out there. And she was, she was quite a hard interview. She was like, I sort of said to her, oh, so, um, you know, you've got, you've got such a great, you know, figure, you're not, you're not wearing pants very often. And I said, so how do you keep in shape? And she's like, I don't eat. And she's completely serious. And I was like, okay. Um, and behind her, the publicist was like doing these kind of cut it out motions with her hand, like stop it, trying to get her to stop talking. And I was like, okay, that's good. Um, tell me more about that. And she's like, I just, I just don't, I don't eat. I'm, you know, I'm a pop star, and I take it really. Se- I'm sorry, my accent's so bad. I take it really seriously, and I just don't eat. <laughs> I was like, this is a great role model. What do I write? But you know, that was the truth of it, and it was very funny. But yes, so t- that's what. That's why MAC lipstick is on there because it was, brings back so many memories. And they're just fabulous colours and they're good formulas and they do the job. And was the job everything that you had imagined it would be? Uh, the Vogue there? job? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was the access that Vogue affords you is incredible. Like it just anyone you – pretty much anyone you wanted to interview you could in some way or another get access to them. So that for a journalist is just – yeah, that, that was really – wonderful and yeah just being exposed to the kind of creative talent that you would be on shoots and there are a lot of egos though you know (laughs) so I mean there you know there's it's it's an interesting it's an interesting environment to kind of cut your teeth on well yeah (laughs) and I think it's interesting what you mentioned before with the kind of PR and Lady Gaga obviously working Mm. in beauty you do get to interview a lot of celebrities and well-known faces and I suppose as a journalist the thing you have to contend with is what the PR wants you to find Mm. out or say is very different to what your editor wants you to find out and say have Mm -hmm. there been were there any other kind of interviews or or standout moments from that stick out from that I mean, nothing is, I mean, that was one of the most obvious, I'd have to really search my memory. I'm, I guess more just that celebrities don't always behave like you or the PR want them to. So um, when, the bigger the celebrity, the more wayward they often are. So when I interviewed Rihanna in Barbados, and that was also for Mac, actually, that was again for Viva Glam. So this was her, her time with Viva Glam. I think she's been on in a few of their campaigns. 
and we went to Barbados, which is her hometown, and we were all, there was probably maybe 10 or 15 journalists from around the world, and we'd been, you know, just waiting all day to interview her, and she really late, and we were kind of, it was like a really hot day, and we're kind of all sort of sitting around waiting and waiting, and then she comes in, and she's just got this, like, her posse, basically, like her whole family with her. And she's got her mum and her brother and her cousin and like, and they all sort of sit down and do the interview with her. It was just like, cool. Like, and she was very, as soon as you talked to her, you forgave everything. You're like, I don't mind. I'd wait in pouring rain and snow for you because you're so wonderful. Like she was, she makes you feel very like your best friends. Um, and that's part of her charm. And I think she, uh, she's an amazing woman. We've talked about how being kind of the beauty editor at Vogue was that thing that you never thought would happen sounds incredible. But then you made the decision to leave mm, that dream job. Yeah. What I mean, was that a hard decision to make or what was the thought process there? Oh, there were a few things going on at the time. The first was that I'd given birth to my first son, Max, and my first and my only son, I think. <laughs> um, I later had a daughter, Lulu. But, and that was hard, just fitting in the corporate schedule with my being a mum and, you know, when you are in a posting as a beauty editor for a magazine you are expected to attend a lot of nighttime events and you can't pick and choose like you get told and the ad team will chase you up if you don't go and you'll get you know it's almost like being in school like it's like oh we've heard that you're not going to attend this launch why is that kind of thing so that was one thing but then there was also this massive movement towards digital that was just happening and and there were a lot of things that I wanted to learn and experience and and upskill I guess you know YouTube was happening and I kind of I'd sort of float the idea with different staff members at Vogue you know can we do this can we do that and and there weren't a lot of opportunities to really learn in that space. So, I mean, we had to write for online, but I think we sort of started towards the end of my tenure uploading and, you know, but that it was a really clunky CMS system. And so I didn't really feel like there was that much scope to learn. And so just as a side project, I I just launched Beauticate and I talked to my editor at the time, Edwina, and I was like, oh, I just want to um, do this on the side. And she was like, yep, that's fine. And I don't think that would happen now, but <laughs> back then it was just seen as, you know, a little side gig and, and I launched it and uh, yes, I mean, from the word go, it got a really, really good reception and I had brands saying, you know, can we work with you? And I was like, no, I can't, you know, I can't do that. You know, it's, it would be against my contract and, you know, and I could see that there was definitely scope to grow it and, and even, you know, to, to have, you know, revenue coming in and. So I sort of toyed with the idea and I, I think I only lasted about three months after I'd launched it before I decided to, to leave and do it full time. So I think it was all those factors. It was, it was having a son that I wanted to have that flexibility. It was also wanting to upskill um, and seeing the move. Also, I guess, you know, the reality of it was that a lot of my peers were being made redundant. I wasn't fearful so much for my role because, you know, Vogue is so strong, but I could see just that move, you know, and the shift and, and what's sadly happening to print, um, happening. So I thought I, you know, I don't want to, I've got to quit while we're ahead kind of thing. So yeah, it was, it was a hardish decision, but it sort of felt right. And I just kind of went back up. The third product on your list is Chanel lip gloss. Mm, yes. 
<laughs> that's the story. So that's the oh, I can't even pronounce it. It's like Center Luveris or something. We'll, we'll put the, the name. All the <laughs> Thank you. The so I yeah I always just loved Chanel as most girls do, and I just saved up all my money. You know it was like thirty or forty dollars I think at that stage to buy a lip gloss, and you know that was when the juicy tubes were big, and it was all about the shiny lip, and yeah I, I think it was a. What was the first one I bought? I think it was like a frosted pinky shade. <laughs> I think I wore it at my high school formal and I wore a blue Lurex, aqua blue Lurex Zimmerman dress that was like a, sort of a, it was a short dress, which was a bit, you know, ultra, like out there. But, and my boy, and my boyfriend wore like the, the matching tie with the, Lure, <laughs> with the aqua blue and then I had my frosted pink lipstick. It was... Um, the height of cool of 90s I think I was like you know going for a bit of a Barbie girl kind of <laughs> aqua vibe but yes no lip gloss that was very yeah so it just I guess it just reminds me of high school and, and having first having that kind of independence and uh, to go and buy a designer brand and say you know i I'm, I'm going to put my money into something that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love and I admire. And I, I, I earned that money from the newsagent. So I worked at the newsagent every weekend. And that's probably where I developed my passion for magazines in the first place because I used to read them when the customers weren't there. And <laughs> Perks of the job. That's right. Beauty Kate is such an amazing beauty resource. You obviously, there's a few different sections of the website. You've got the, the beauty reviews the go-tos with the salon and spa directory trying to remember the the yes who's 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 how to's we've taken reviews and we've put them back into how to's we've recently revamped the site a little being five years old we wanted to just do a little site refresh and give the give the old girl a bit of a nip tuck (laughs) not that she needed it but I just felt that you know I wanted to clean up the navigation and make it a bit more simplified and make the images a bit bigger and in that process yeah we moved a few things around so we've still got them they're still there but they're sort of mostly in the how-to drop down um, and the who drop down because it was always the who's which are our our interviews with inspiring and influential people mostly women but we do get some amazing men telling their grooming stories and and the great thing is I get to go into people's bathroom cabinets and their pantries and their wardrobes and and rifle through them without being called creepy although (laughs) I'm sure they think I'm a bit creepy when I do that that. was exactly the reason behind (laughs) this podcast it's like how can I get into people's makeup bags without being strange exactly you get it yeah the voyeurism so it's been a lot of fun and we've met some amazing people and seen some incredible homes and it's all there five years worth of content it's over 250 profiles now that we've done so it's insane amount of profiles and then yeah so that that was the who's and then the how to's is you know obviously more practical sort of tutorials and and that sort of thing and and then the go-to's was really born of um you know we launched that several years ago now and we just found that people were, were always asking what's the best spa what's the best hair salon where can I get my lashes done in Brisbane so you know it was having that one resource where people could find and search via you know what they wanted to have done and where they wanted to go and what had our stamp of approval so yeah no that's that's been good and then we've just launched the top 100 which is again another resource and it's designed to be a bit of a bible as well it's doing 10 categories at a time it's the top 100 products that every beauty fan must try so the cult products the the iconic you know products that have stood the test of time but also some newbies and some some um, niche products so every few weeks we will be releasing another 10 um, we've done the beauty icons now and the next one is 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 ready to drop soon so watch this space oh, exciting i love those kind of lists yeah me too my bank account <laughs> hates those kind of lists yeah. but i love those kind you of lists yeah. <laughs> obviously beauty kate's just turned five since fifth year but i imagine that the early years kind of building up the business particularly when you i think it's interesting when 
people launch businesses obviously it's usually centered on an area of strength so beauty and content and editorial was the business side of running a business something that you had experience in or was that kind of a <laughs> no. new thing to tackle with? <laughs> no no and I I never planned to run a business really I was always just happy working for other people and I never really thought I, I would and when I even when I launched Beautycate it kind of I still thought I'd be a one woman band for a while but quite quickly I realized I needed help and I also realized that yeah my strengths are definitely not so much in numbers and you know that kind of thing but you know I my husband's really good at starting businesses and he gave me a lot of advice and he helped me sort of start the website in from a technical sense back then but he's you know he runs startup different startups now so he's he's busy but he still does help in a lot a lot of ways like I'm always like oh I don't know how to do this payroll thing or help me with zero which is the accounting software we use and oh it's just oh it's my least favorite part of the job that but but then again I do like doing it myself because I know I, I, know I have full visibility on, on the numbers and that side of things. So, yes, I didn't expect to be doing it, but, you know, surround yourself with people that do know how to do it and, and you can sometimes get by. <laughs> the fourth product on your list is another one kind of from your early years, which is, and this has actually come up a few times now, the Body Shop Body Butter in Coconut. Oh, yes. It's just a happy smell for me. I kind of chose that product to represent the Body Shop as a whole, as a kind of era for me, an era in the 90s. And I'm sure a lot of women of my generation and age will remember that the Body Shop was just for friends who had birthdays. It was We'd go straight to the Body Shop and you'd buy like a little selection of you know, white musk, bath pearls and, you know, fragrance. And it was just all like the lovely delectable beauty lollies. Like it was just like going into a candy store and picking it all out and then they'd make it up, you know, beautiful. And so, yeah, mum and I used to go in there and we'd get a few things. I think I was... I was into, um, oh, they had a grapefruit cleanser, which I'm sad that they don't have anymore because that smell reminds me again of teenagehood. And henna, I went through a henna red hair dyed stage, which <laughs> really didn't suit me. I don't know why no one told me. But, but yeah, it was good because, you know, it was like a natural hair dye. So mum was okay with me using it. As I got older, I've, you know, tried a few different products from them. And, and the Body Shop butter, Body Butter in Coconut will forever remind me of every great holiday I've had. And I do that deliberately. I take it with me when I go somewhere tropical so that when I'm rubbing it on in the middle of winter and you know I've got scaly shins I can be transported to you know somewhere fabulous and tropical. A large part of your job is to kind of sift through the hundreds if not thousands of beauty products that are released every year to kind of find out the ones that are worth the money and I'm always curious to find out do you think high-end products are always really better than budget? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> there are so many budget brides that are fantastic. And, you know, look in any makeup artist kit and you'll see at least a handful of whether it's like even Nivea body cream. Like, you know, it's just a lot of makeup artists I know use that because it just gives the skin that glow that doesn't look like it's got a sheen on it, but it's just that yummy glow. Bioderma, Sensi Bio makeup remover is something I use daily. Like it's like an incredible product and it's not expensive there's so many great mascaras there's so many great lipsticks you don't have to spend a lot of money I mean when you when you are spending money you're buying into the brand and the packaging and the marketing and and some and that stuff works as well like that makes you feel part of the brand and the brand messaging so that's you know in some ways you can say that it's worth it for that experience but 
I think you can also get very good results from affordable brands too. What has your job taught you about women's relationship with beauty? Ah, it's a complex one. Beauty products, I think, as I mentioned before, it's, it, it, they are so powerful in that the way they, that we, they can make us feel. So they are, it's more that they're representative of building confidence. You know, you put on your game face, you can indulge yourself. It's that self-care, it's that ritual. There's so many facets to, you know, the way products can make us feel. And it's funny because it is just a product really at the end of the day, but it has so much attachment. How, you know, how a soap or just a freight I think scent has got a lot to do with it I think as I talked to before about smelling lipstick reminding me of my mum and, and that kind of thing and I think you know and then makeup obviously is is us a way of us preparing our our face for the world and, and making ourselves feel better you know a little bit more glamorous and I think that most women even if they claim not to be beauty fans they will have products that they feel strongly about you know and that's probably why you created this podcast because you know in even sort of fashion girls who claim they don't really like you know use much product they'll have skincare that they're obsessed with and and that kind of thing so yeah I think it's um it's got a definite place in in everyone's lives and personal care I mean you know at, the, at its most basic level you know a good body moisturizer or a deodorant you know is even important so <laughs> just keeping ourselves smelling sweet and variously hydrated <laughs> you mentioned the um tutorials you do on instagram before and mm. i i particularly love them because obviously you're showing products and you're showing how you do your makeup but your daughter lulu is always <laughs> kind of hanging around wants to play with the mm. brushes and things have you seen her kind of absorb your love of beauty already yes absolutely like this morning she was I put my lip balm on and she goes a lip balm lip balm and she toddled off to the next room and she brought in this like little unicorn lip balm that someone gave her and she's like I've got my lip balm (laughs) lip balm it's not bum sweetheart it's balm (laughs) but no she she does and she tries to get involved but she's quite good like touch wood I haven't had a complete terrible mess to come home to yet like I'm just waiting for the day when I come in and I've found lipstick all over the walls or all over my linen or something but so far she's listened to me and hasn't used it without my knowledge or consent so let's hope that it continues that way do you think you'll be quite strict or kind of flexible and free when it comes to when she wants to start wearing it I think I'll be pretty flexible I don't think I think or like you know let them let them indulge their creativity you know within reason obviously not it's during school and you know adhering to the principles of whatever the, the school she goes to uh, I mean within reason I mean if she wants to go getting Botox at the age of 13 I'll be putting my foot down <laughs> but as long as she's not hurting anybody or herself then I don't mind if she experiments a bit and talking of Botox and fillers and things like that I feel like we we're going through a bit of a an age of beauty in terms of thanks to social media and things like that the awareness the interest feels more prominent than ever and I think part of that well firstly have you noticed that change particularly having been in the industry for seeing that change absolutely yeah it's the Kardashian effect in part it's the it's the YouTube beauty gurus. Everything is highly visible. Everything is, is you know, we're photographing ourselves at all times. We've always got, I mean, we've always got our smartphones that have, you know, high def cameras and we're, you know, we're always on show. So it's natural that beauty should be suddenly even bigger and bolder and more to be obsessed about than before so I think it's definitely you know and that and that with makeup and with cosmetic surgery and with injectables and you know it's natural that being so you know in the spotlight we we and you know women everywhere are are turning to more and more and more and more and more whether that's a good thing 
yeah look I think at some stage you know I just hope that people <laughs> someone tells me if I ever go too far because <laughs> you know sometimes you look at someone's face and you're like oh I just wonder why you know no one told them their loved ones didn't say stop put down the syringe each to their own as long as someone's feeling happy and you know and it makes them feel good then you know I, I wouldn't want to stay in the stand in the way of that the fifth product on your list is one I hadn't heard before this one sounds really interesting which is the subtle energies facial oil blend yes. which kind of taps into that self-care and, yes. and ritual routine yes yes this is one of my old school like I, I remember actually when subtle energies launched and I it was just when I, when I discovered it it was like a little tiny I mean, they weren't tiny, but they weren't sort of big in the commercial, like the consumer beauty space. They were making, and they still do um, supply oils to the top spas around the world and called them up because I'd interviewed this yoga guru who had mentioned these oil blends by this brand called Subtle Energies. And I called them up and they're like, oh, we're just about to launch some skincare. Can you know, can we get your thoughts and we'll send you some and... So I really feel like I've been on that journey with them from the start and um, they're a lovely family-run business um, and I just fell in love with this facial oil. It's got ja- – I'm just a jasmine. I love jasmine. Um, they've got this type of jasmine called mogro, which is like a Ayurvedic – quite rare, I think, in, in Western preparations, but they found a source of it from India and she gets some incredible Ayurvedic – you know, blends and, and ingredients and it just smells like heaven. So I, I use it before bed and I have one by my bed and I, you know, and I use it when I travel and it just, yeah, it always calms me down. So, and it's all down to scent when you have those sort of almost cues, like you give your body cues for bedtime and you give your body cues for holidays. Like if you kind of use products in that way and, and use them to sort of tell your body what that time is, I think that's kind of a nice way of using fragrance and scent. Now, I know you are a fan of eyelash extensions. Yes. Have they been a game... Well, I feel like I know the answer to this. Have they been a game changer for you and why? Yes, yes. And that was just something that happened when I had my children, (laughs) probably even with my second, just having less and less time to do eye makeup of the morning. And I've always loved doing makeup, but I'm very particular about my lashes and I'd always like layer on mascara, like lots and lots and lots of mascara. And like I love Dior Show mascara and I would just use it so much but all this mascara was really hard to get off at the end of the day so then I'd be there with my makeup pads like dissolving it or you know and you're quite rough with your eyes when you're taking mascara off at the end of the day so just that process alone I reckon you know five minutes in the morning doing the full eye and then at least five minutes taking it off at night so 10 minutes a day yes lash extensions take a while to put on so maybe an hour every couple of weeks um maybe half an hour depends on how quickly they shed I still think I'm saving time (laughs) and I'm saving you know it's I'm I'm, it's a lazy girl's beauty hack you know I don't have to you know get up that little bit earlier to do my eyes and and I love swimming you know going to the beach in summer and just feeling done and when you wake up in the morning feeling done and if you have to dash out and get you know go to the shops to get something you don't really have to do anything whereas I would always feel in the past that I had to put my mascara on or just something now I'm pretty lazy generally but you know just that and a tinted moisturizer and I'm good to go and I'm with you and I've had them a few times and Mm. it's amazing what a difference it makes when you can literally just kind of almost roll out of bed and you're kind of halfway yes exactly have you found and I think the question people ask a lot is how it affects your your actual lashes and you have uh, yes. it over an extended period of time. Yes, yes. I think I think I've, like anything that you put on your body or in your body that's not 
naturally there I think that there's going to be some payback I try and give my lashes a break over winter sometimes and you know use a lash serum and stuff which I plan to do this year but it's getting really hard to part with them I've become so hopelessly addicted to them and you sort of get so used to them that when they're not there you look at yourself and you're like oh my god I look sick so I think yes I think it I think definitely and I think part of it is that you're just so used to the look of them that when you don't have them you think your lashes are shorter but maybe they are a little bit, but everything regenerates in the body over time. So, you know, I, I wouldn't let that stand in, stand in your way. <laughs> in terms of your personal makeup collection, are you have you kind of very much kind of cut it down to the core essentials or do you like having options and things to play with? I would say I've probably got options. I've got, we're a bit short on space in our apartment at the moment. So I've got a, a bed with drawers under the bed. And I've got a drawer that has another little set of drawers in it with all my makeup in that. And then I've got, you know, a couple of other little storage bits around the bob, um, around the area. So I feel like I've whittled it down. I continually whittle it down. Like probably every couple of months or three, three or six months, I go through and do a big clean out um, and try and take on some of the new products that I've seen. Um, but then there are so many old faithfuls that I can't part with. So it's kind of a constant process of culling. You've spoken before about kind of the power of perfume and scent and I know you've won a few Jasmine awards which is um, awards for writing about scent and perfume and is it true that as a prize for that you got to visit Chanel where they grow some uh, scents or was something? It Chanel? Was it Dior? Was it Dior? I think it was Dior. Yes I did go oh no that was a different trip I think. I did do the south of France a couple of times and I did win the Jasmine twice and the main prize was a trip to Paris and a trip to the south of France and yes that was pretty spectacular prize <laughs> very sad they don't they don't run those awards anymore because I'm sure lots of other beauty journalists would love to experience that but yes I did go to I don't think I ever did the Chanel but I did the Dior Rosefields and that was on assignment for Vogue and I think it was actually for a skincare product at the time which is pretty amazing but yes seeing brass and all the there's like a fragrance museum there and I I went there with L'Occitane actually once and uh, did a story it's yeah it's beautiful seeing the home of fragrance and and if you've read that book Perfume I want to see the series I haven't watched that yet is it based I thought it was yeah yeah so yeah let me know if it's good anyone who's watched it I do I keep trying to get Damien to watch it with me he's like no it's subtitles I don't want to watch anything with subtitles so <laughs> I've got to do that on a on a lonely night it's an amazing place to go if you have any interest in perfume and just seeing the raw ingredients and how they how they select them and you know how they actually distill things and yeah it's really for the science side of things is quite interesting because you always think how do they get fragrance in a bottle but it's so it's so scientific now the synthetics and things as well but um it's very interesting speaking of perfume the perfume on your list which is or has become your signature scent can you tell me what it is and and how it came to be yes i wouldn't say it's my signature now because it's so it was for so long and it's got so many memories and i I think people probably a lot of people find that like it, it, it serves its purpose for a time and then now if I wear it I get transported back to my 20s but it was Narciso Rodriguez and it was just it is if you have never smelt it it's just one of those incredible unique it's like musky and oh it's just amazing and then I, I liked the original which was in the black black bottle but then they came out with a pink one that was more 
softer and muskier and sort of yeah it's like even all the flankers that they did were all really good perfume is obviously such a totemistic it sort of you know defines a moment in time you know and growing up it was for me you know we went through the impulse body spray stage of course and then and then I did Calvin Klein escape which was like the kind of the unisex very cool like it was always the best campaigns in the 90s I know Calvin Klein won obviously um and my boyfriend wore Tommy Hilfiger so whenever I saw that I'm like what that's just like Tommy oh I just love that fragrance too I wish we could have you know just these museums at home of fragrance but yeah you'd have to have room to store them all and and fridges really because I think they would go bad but it's a beautiful scent and yeah definitely I still think it's very modern and and it's you know you can still wear it and be very feel like it's very unique what would you say your signature scent now is oh I wouldn't have just one at the moment it's funny I'm sort of a bit capricious with my scent at the moment but I like I really like natural perfume oils because I kind of sort of a bit you know thinking about the the phthalates and the you know I, I if I use fragrance now it's mostly in my hair and my clothes and then when I'm putting stuff on my skin I, I generally look towards you know really beautiful perfume oils I love the A the AU I don't know if it's the IU or the AU AYU beautiful Australian brand Aromantique is gorgeous um, so Sook like Sook is the one that I really love the AU but it's quite it's very pungent so you only need a tiny bit <laughs> Has there been anyone in particular who has made a lasting impact on you personally or professionally in terms of a a mentor or someone that you've looked up to my parents were really good growing up having had their experience in sort of the industry you know my mum and my dad and also my dad's wife Libby she's also was also a journalist and she's a writer now she even contributes to Beautycate sometimes and she's a wonderful sounding board you know when I've got some kind of professional dilemma or question I go to the I go to the the trinity of, of family to help me um but professionally You know, I just had some fabulous editors over the years who were really good. You know, Emma Nolan was my editor at TV Week when I first started out and she's she was, you know, such a wonderful editor to work with. Susan Hurley at our house, and then Carolyn Lockhart. Everyone called her Charlie Lockhart. She was gourmet, I think. And when then she went to Qantas and I I worked for her at Qantas magazine and that was a really wonderful experience because she sort of she sort of pushed me in in the beauty direction I was her I guess office manager editorial coordinator at the time so I was in that kind of general dog's body position where you're just doing whatever they need you to do but she very kindly let me do a little bit of sort of style you know she I could do the writing on the style pages and she sent me off to beauty launches probably my first beauty launches actually they were yeah she was really supportive and and um, a great mentor Uh, Marina Go who was my publisher at EMAP and then Edwina was a wonderful editor as well to work work for and a just really nice person as well so proof that you know you can be a nice person in the industry is you know like a lot of powerful women can you know get to where they are by not being nice but then there is you know it's really nice to see that there are there are good people that you know are strong women but they don't have to be you know nightmares as well <laughs> the seventh product on your list is kind of a modern cult product which is the eat cosmetics cc cream mm. are you i mean i'm a massive mm. fan of mm. it mm. what is it about it that you mm. love so much probably the the sun protection properties because it, it is a cc or you know of the of the tinted moisturizer thing it's it, it's it's more foundation than tinted moisturizer i'd say but you i guess you feel like you're not i think psychologically 
you feel like you're not using a foundation so that's kind of nice and but it has the, all the coverage of a foundation and so you're like oh I'm just going to put my tinted moisturizer on but it also has titanium dioxide and zinc dio- uh, zinc oxide so that makes it a very effective broad spectrum physical block from the sun's rays so you can feel you can rest assured that your skin is being protected while being so lovely and evenly toned and and I can slap it on with my fingers and the pump pack's really easy and it doesn't leak and it's uh, I love the shades and yeah I quite like the luminizing one too I forget what it's called a lumin luminizing one illumination yes. illumination yes not a fan of the matte one that was just didn't work for me but the other two really love them so highly recommend when do you personally feel you're at your most beautiful because I feel like there's a tendency for people you want to say oh when I'm fresh faced out the ocean or when <laughs> yeah, I roll out of bed they all say that but there they? is something really powerful about like when you've got your makeup done professionally yeah. and you kind of feel like yes yes your step or something yes where would you say you fall ah it's so funny I always ask that question and I've never had to answer it it would be on a date with my husband so it would be if I had either had my makeup done but I think that often you like the way you do your own makeup even better but there are some makeup artists that you know I often work with Jess Diaz and she's fabulous and she does a lot of makeup for me and I always feel lovely when she does my makeup and I'm pretty useless at doing hair so let's say when I've had my hair done um, and and then I'm on a date in a softly candlelit romantic little Italian bistro drinking Italian yeah I'd say Italian drinking champagne with my husband that would be you know the lighting would be just right I'd be feeling pretty good right there (laughs) sounds delightful (laughs) the final product on your list is again a beauty island favorite for very good reason which is Lanolips yes yes and I just I feel very nostalgic about that product too because well firstly I was using lanolin all my life growing up, my mum was raised on a sheep farm. Well, not just sheep, a wheat, mostly wheat, but they had sheep in the central wheat belt way out west. I've, we actually just went there this weekend. It was so, so nice to go back and visit everyone. But she she always used lanolin and you would get it. We would get it in these plain unmarked jars from the, the, the chemist and you'd have to ask for it. And they'd bring it out the back, from the back, like in a little pot. I don't know where they kept it or how that worked, but there wasn't really any brand on it. You'd just say, oh, can I have some? lanolin as far as I know and then Kirsten Cariol brought out lips, and I think they just turned 10 last year so I would I remember the launch I remember it you know and I remember thinking oh, eureka you know someone has put lanolin in a in a tube and it's all you know like it's a bit sexier and it's got even more sexier like she, when she repackaged and she did that gorgeous logo and she's a Am I allowed to say they're about to launch skincare? Yeah, I think I am. This will come out in a few weeks. So. Okay, they're about to launch skincare. So I'm really, yeah, I'm, I think she's done an incredible job with it. And um, and I love all the flavours and, yeah, I love the tinted ones. And we always have several tubes on the go at home. My husband uses, you know, just the plain one. My ki- I use it on my kids. I just think mum would, you know, whenever I had anything, like a cut, an abrasion, a scratch, a, just a dry, rough bit of skin, you know, sore nose from blowing your nose when you have a cold. She'd always use lanolin. And I even the smell of it, like it was not a particularly nice smell, but it's just got that that connotation of, of childhood again. So yeah, great product and um it's yeah, and it's great that it's it's doing so well internationally. If you had to pick just one product from your eight products to take with you to oh. Desert Island, it doesn't have to be practical, I'll give you sunscreen, I'll give you all of that. Mm. 
but one to kind of keep you company on the island which one would you pick oh that's really tough I knew that question was coming but I actually hadn't (laughs) thought about it (laughs) you know practically I'd say lana lips but sentimental I mean probably the coconut just being a desert island probably the, the coconut body balm because I hate feeling dry I hate dry limbs and I hate just when you get and you could probably even use it on your face it'd probably be quite rich but again I'm being practical here <laughs> it's kind of it straddles both yeah like yeah yeah exactly it's and it's a nice um tropical summer holiday scent so yeah let's go with that <laughs> well now to finish us off just want to go through kind of your five favorite current favorites so we've gone we've had a big trip down memory lane. Yes. So these are the ones that you're kind of using okay. now. Yeah. Favourite foundation? Probably Giorgio Armani, but I also love Chanel Le Beige. And what is it about either of them? Or um, them that you like? Giorgio Armani is just the luminising kind of gorgeousness that I always get complimented on my skin when I wear it. And I just love the whole Chanel Le Beige suite of products. I'm a big fan of all their, um, like the bronzing powder. And I think the Cushion Compact's fabulous. I like the CC Cream. They kind of nailed it with that range. I think it's interesting because as we were saying before about the high end, those are both two quite mm, high end foundations. They are, they are. Do you think what do you think gives them an edge over? To be honest, I'm very lucky because I get those products and I get to use them. So look, and you know, I love the way they look in my bag, of course. But you know, if I was to go down the budget path, you know, even like Revlon Color Stay is fantastic. L'Oreal and Maybelline do really good foundations too. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many good ones out there. You just have to try them and that's the hard thing. But I mean, if you're, if you're not spending a bomb on it, you just try it and if you like it, go with it again, you know. And I think a lot of people don't realise that you can ask for samples at yes. like counters and things like that. So there is a good way to try those ones. Yes. I don't know if you can for sort of drugstore brands, but you can, yeah, yeah definitely for like the, the high-end ones, definitely worth doing because things can look so different in the light of a cosmetics counter to and you know natural daylight changes everything so if you're still doing your makeup in the bathroom I highly recommend you get yourself a little makeup mirror and take it out into the living room or wherever you've got good light and do it there because you'll be bound to see you know some tide marks on your chin or something you haven't really seen in the bathroom so that's a big tip I think it's a great tip now eye product Probably the Naked 2 palette. Mm. I'm really, actually, I'm really enjoying the Dior Backstage products. I have, what is it called? Warm Neutrals. I have like a little palette that has got, I think, eight, eight shades and a, and a base. So cool because you've got the eye base, eyeshadow base in there. So you can just, it's like a concealer. You just wipe it on your, your lid. They're, I think they're really clever products and they have a lip palette which is amazing too which is called Universals I think. Yes, I am a big fan of the whole Dior Backstage collection. I think it's more affordable too than, than the, the other makeup. So Your favourite or go-to hair product? Mugu shampoo. I've got a really sensitive, irritated, flaky scalp that has given me problems over the years and if I don't you know if I use my most other shampoos um, I get sort of just dry and itchy and almost like a psoriasis dermatitis type thing so 
Mugu calmed all that down and I loved it so much that I went to them and I said, I want to tell the world about your products. And they were like, okay, <laughs> tell us more. I was like, no, I'm such a fan. So and they've got really good products for the rest of the family too. More on that, stay tuned. And Orbe, I love Orbe dry texture spray. I love Chloran dry shampoo. Batiste dry shampoo is also great. Yeah, hair powder is good. Hair powder? Mm, yes. volume? Or? Volume, yes, and texture. And, and just, you know, when you're doing a curl or something you want to give root lift actually Jess Diaz my makeup artist we use a lot um, got me onto the Schwarzkopf ones and there's like one Taft I think and it's like these are really good budget buys like I think they're both under $10 or something so there's like a beach surfs up I think it's called or something and Taft um, and one of them's really good for just getting that kind of texture and the other one's really good in the roots so you just sprinkle it on your fingers and, and sort of rub it into the roots and it gives you that grit not doesn't feel that nice when you run your hands through it but it gives it gives good hold your favorite non-product related beauty tip whether that's in a health or mm, smile I know that's really lame but no I mean just when you it's just going into a room or going into the world and just even if you're not feeling you know that happy if you do smile actually there's there's been studies around if you do smile, it tells your brain to feel happy. So it can be on the reverse. If you actually just force your face into, even if it's a grimace, <laughs> if you just force your lips up into a, like a happy sort of smile, they've, they've proven that that will make you feel happier. So it's hard to do sometimes and we all have our down days. And, but if you have to go to an event or you have to go into a room and you don't know anyone, if you're, you're the, the most beautiful woman is going to be the one that's smiling and, and, and making an effort and interacting with people. It's, it's hard sometimes. I know it's not as easy as it sounds. But, um, and funnily enough, I think there was also research done on Botox and smiling and they found that people who had Botox injected into their eyes where the smile lines are were on a whole more depressed than the people who had it put into their frown lines. So... The people who had it in their frown lines were less able to feel depressed than because they couldn't because they couldn't frown. So it's really it's a mechanical thing. I think the the act of your face and what your face is doing will tell your brain how to feel. So there's a tip. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Force a smile. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you need to look amazing for the evening. You don't have time to get anything done professionally in terms of like a facial or whatever, mm. what do you reach for? Just one product. <laughs> if there is one that exists. No. Um, or it can be a treatment. Or a treatment. And you're not allowed to use any makeup. You will have makeup on. Oh, okay. Kind of... Right, to prep your skin or whatever. Yeah. I do some kind of sleep mask or tissue mask probably just to juice your skin up. What would it be? It's kind of like big results for little mm. immediate effort tricky tricky or like a scrub clay mask menense clay mask they're quite fabulous i've got some news that i'll be sharing next week with them actually so <laughs> watch this face this week maybe yeah I'd, I'd do some kind of mask and i would i would get in the shower with it on for the heat to infuse and oh that's a good tip yeah always i do masks in the bath or a shower if you can just because the heat will help it infuse and you'll also feel more relaxed so there you go <laughs> excellent Sigourney thank you so much for sharing thank your you, products Brittany. and memories it's been so lovely to chat to you thank you it's been an absolute pleasure thank you you so much for listening to this episode of beauty island you can find all the details of where to find sigourney and beauty kate in the show notes and if you fancy chatting more beauty you can find me on instagram 
at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS. Or you can also send me an email, beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>